Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. For the Colorado Avalanche, that's Matt Duchesne. Right now, news is breaking that he has been involved in a trade that has been completed, and it looks like they have pulled him off the ice here after just playing a couple of minutes to start this hockey game. The best Avalanche coverage in Denver. Fans at the puck again in the New York zone. Shot, score! Taking you beyond the ice and inside the locker room. Gerard didn't have a stick, the handoff in the slot, broken up with a skate by Gerard. He broke up that play, then he stopped it there. Oh, wow, what a play by Gerard. <laughs> and now, here are your hosts, A.J. Hafley and Adrian Dater. Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks Welcome, folks, to the BSN Avalanche podcast on a freezing Friday here in Denver. Single digits or so outside expected tonight. I know it was getting close to that number when I just got out of the car from a freezing trip to the grocery store. Uh, My guest today on the podcast knows a thing or two about freezing temperatures as well. He is... A former guest of this podcast, uh, a couple, this podcast, also BSN Avalanche podcast, but uh, I believe he's been, I know he's been a podcast on, a guest on my other podcast that I've had in the past, uh, going all the way back to the old days when I used to lug around a little, uh, little, little recorder and do it all myself, kind of a homemade podcast. Want to welcome in Newfoundland, here I go, botching it already, Newfoundland. Canada's own Paul O'Leary, super fan of the Avalanche, longtime friend of the pod, uh, very knowledgeable as fan. I want to get a fresh perspective on, you know, we, you know, you guys listen to us five days a week. It's me, AJ, Jesse. It's, it's our thoughts, etc., etc. It's nice to have a new voice on here sometimes, right? A little fresh set of eyes. Paul is an Avalanche junkie, and. Uh, Paul is uh, is making a return trip to the podcast. Paul O'Leary from Newfoundland. How the heck are you? You keeping warm? Uh, no, actually, it's probably the coldest uh, night of the year here so far this winter. It's uh, minus 12 Celsius, and uh, the wind chill is probably closer to minus 20. Now, you might know this better than I do, but doesn't it get certain temperature past, like minus celsius number that it becomes the same as fahrenheit do you happen to know that or am i do i need to look that up minus 20 celsius is not quite minus 20 fahrenheit i don't believe did they teach that in school not really not (laughs) (laughs) it's cold regardless uh, it's cold yeah there's a canadian we just stick to the canadian side we don't worry (laughs) about much on yours (laughs) 
Well, it's so funny. Kids today don't know what it was like to grow up when uh, having to learn the metric system. I mean, when I was a kid, yeah. you had to learn the metric system uh, in the U.S. Uh, that, that's what they thought were, was going to take over everything. Uh, yeah. Didn't, didn't quite work out that way, but I, I had to learn what a meter, how long a meter was and how long a kilometer was and and, and decimal points and all that stuff. Uh, I still don't know the Celsius thing. I believe it's minus... I want to say like, uh, do I want to say like minus twenty five, something like that, and it converges to the same. But yeah, it's cold, man. Well, you know, it's good. It's good for you, right? It's uh, keeps the blood moving. Yeah, it's refreshing. We had some uh, some games of pond hockey uh, Christmas Day and Boxing Day, so that was nice. It wasn't quite as cold, Dan. Wow, that's cool. Do you have like a <laughs> pond right outside, right near your house that you can just go to and? Uh, there's like probably three, you know, we call them ponds, but they're not really ponds, like more like, you know, little uh, little bodies of water, I guess. But yeah, there's probably three or four within like five minutes of my uh, my parents' house, so it's no trouble to find a spot. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've skated on a frozen pond when you were a little tight, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> See, that's what I love. I mean, I've, I've long said this, you know. I mean, I've said this on the air before um, as a guest in Canada. You know, 99 times out of 100, the, the guy in the last row of seats at a Canadian hockey game knows more than I have or ever will know about hockey. And I just freely admit that. And uh, it's always an honor to talk to people who really grew up with the game. Uh, I know you have. Uh, Paul, uh, Give us a quick rundown on uh, who you are again and what you do. Uh, I know you, you know, give a little plug on your your Twitter handle too. Give us all that again. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm uh, a long time Avs fan. Pretty much, I'm I'm 29 years old. So uh, I was getting into hockey just about when the Avs came on the scene. I, I can't remember as much about you know 95, 96, but from then on, I was following it more and more. And when they won the cup in 01, I pretty well didn't miss anything and. You know, probably from about 98 on, I just became a real, real diehard fan. Uh, I've made a couple of trips to Colorado. I've, uh, I've been there twice. Uh, I went to the uh, Stadium Series game, and I was there before that as well uh, in 2014 when uh, Patty Waugh was back behind the bench before things went a little bit uh, south. Um, other than that, personally, I'm uh, a pharmacist by day, so... Um, that's what I do, and then I pretty well when I'm not uh, when I'm not working, I'm either watching hockey or uh, playing hockey or hanging out with my buddies. But uh, sometimes uh, last night, for example, unfortunately, uh, due to the time difference, especially with Vegas, the game didn't start till 11:30 Newfoundland time, and I had to work this morning, so uh, I passed out somewhere between uh, the first and second period. We'll forgive that. Uh, <laughs> you. Uh... You, you passed out probably when the going was good too. Uh, the rest of the, you didn't miss. You, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, you didn't. You wouldn't have seen much good uh, from then yeah. on. Uh, Avalanche I thought we executed five seconds of power play time there in the first series. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've. Uh, well, that's yeah. Pharmacist. I, I forgot that you're a pharmacist. I, I knew that, but I kind of temporarily forgot it. I forget a lot of stuff at my age now. Uh, <laughs> what's it like being a pharmacist in Canada? Is it different from the U.S. where it's, uh, uh, you know, it's it's free enterprise here in the U.S.? Uh, every man for himself. Yeah. Do you guys have a different system right. when you're dishing out stuff? Because I know when I tried to get some... Uh, I tried to get some Tylenol 3s in Canada a few times. I remember you used to be able to buy that right off the shelf and nobody would give you a, a hassle, but uh, last time I tried to buy them, Tylenol 3s for those listening are just basically Tylenol with codeine. Uh, my wife likes them for headaches. I'm not much of a Tylenol taker. But I had to sign like a... Jesus, it was like harder than buying my mortgage first time. Yeah, yeah. Have they changed the rules, sir? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's still like that now. It's Tylenol one, I'm guessing. That's the that's the. Um, oh, they used to call them threes. Oh, okay, that was probably yeah. That was back. I think they maybe were like were they like three three threes or two three threes or something once upon yeah. a time. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of thing. You're right. That was a bit before my time, but now it's like it's actually called Tylenol one. And uh, so, like you said, it's got like the lowest possible like eight milligrams of codeine. 
Uh, but yeah, it still has to be regulated. Like basically, uh, you're only allowed to buy like uh, no more than a hundred tablets every 30 days, and you got to actually go through the computer system so that it can be all you know regulated. So, that... so is that exactly? Like, yeah. Is that because of the? Is that considered an opioid? And, and is that because of an opioid? Uh, you know, the epidemic. Yeah, that would the world? be. Yeah, that'd be the main the main reason behind that, right? All right. Well, uh, enough uh, enough pill talk here. Uh, uh, Paul, uh, you know, I always like your opinion on the Avs. You're, you're, you watch every game. You grew up in the game. You're, uh, you're as knowledgeable as me or anyone else. Uh, let me, let's start off with this. What, what's your number one reason, gripe right now, whatever, as to, as to you know, your take on what's going wrong the most right now with the Colorado Avalanche as they 2-6-1 and one, take a record of that number into tomorrow's game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, what do you think has been the number one thing? Uh, it's hard to pinpoint one thing because it's, it's such a, a combination of things, I think. But uh, one of the biggest things for me is just the lack of consistency. Uh, when was the last time we played, I, I would say, even a 40-minute game, let alone a 60-minute game? It's, it's you know, you're, you're seeing it. Look, last night in the first period, from what I saw, it wasn't too bad. I mean, you know, especially when you're on the road in Vegas, you got to. Exactly, right? I mean, you can go and play that way on the road in Vegas, which is a tough place to play. Um, You know, you're happy with that first period, and under a normal circumstance, I would think, uh, or typically, you you see a team, uh, you know, once they survive the first period on the road, uh, then they start to build from there. But, again, I didn't see the game, but I did. uh, I read some of the the, the BSN articles, so there's a little plug for you. And had a chance to, you know, see what some people had to say. And it seemed like it kind of, you know, Vegas sort of uh, controlled the game, slowed the abs down. And, uh, you know, even though it was only a two-to-one score, I uh, I don't think the abs were that great from what I can gather over those two periods. But even if you go back to uh, Arizona last Saturday, I mean, the team that came out and played the majority of the third period, I mean, where was that team in the first two periods? No, I know it's consistency. They 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 just have not played a, a strong game from start to finish in, in quite a while. I mean, um, you know, two six and one is the record. They they beat uh, Montreal in one of those games. It was kind of a pulled that one out of the fire a little bit. Yeah, and it kind of worries me a little bit as well when you go back to that game because that was a game I had a bit extra focus on because. Uh, being here, you know, 90% of the people here are Toronto or Montreal fans. So that game is a huge bragging right game. And, uh, you know, playing a Montreal team that's not supposed to be that great, uh, playing them in Colorado, I mean, I thought for the most part, yes, like you said, Colorado managed to squeak it out, but honestly, I thought Montreal kind of outworked the abs, which was, you know, in the beginning of the season, I thought Colorado's identity was more hardworking than what they've been as of late, which could be another factor, you know, involved in what's going on. Yeah, I uh, I know it wasn't a happy uh, scene today at practice. Uh, I'm sure you've read the latest BSN uh, Denver story uh, that I posted today, but uh, changes are afoot, Paul. Uh, Matt Nieto is your new number one line left winger, playing with uh, McKinnon yeah. and Ranton tomorrow with... Landeskog dropped down to a line with uh, Confer and Kerfoot, with Kerfoot at center. Third line, Soderberg with Dries and Calvert. And your fourth line now is Jost with Bork. And uh, who am I forgetting here? Uh, Jost with Andrew Ghetto. Andrew, Andrew Ghetto. There you go. Andrew Ghetto. Savin yeah. Andrew Ghetto. Uh, those are your four lines now. Uh, Paul, I know you. You're a knowledgeable fan. You probably know that Matt Nieto played a couple shifts with the big line uh, in Arizona uh, on the ice for one of the the game-winning goal against on one of those shifts by Brad Richardson, courtesy of the XFs. But uh, what are your thoughts on Matt Nieto being up there with the big boys now? Uh, You know, I I don't mind it. Really? A lot of people do. (laughs) Yeah, and and I can see that, but like I don't really have a, necessarily an, an issue with Matt Nieto. Uh, you know, obviously he doesn't come off as a first line uh, player, but uh, to go, I guess, back a little bit before that, um, 
especially, you know, wake up this morning, seeing the score, losing two to one. Um, I had already kind of came to the conclusion at the time had come to split up the top line, but uh, I actually would have done it differently, at least tried it differently. I, I would have split McKinnon and Rantanen up. Uh, well, two main reasons. So, first of all, you got one guy with 60 points and one guy with Watts McKinnon 57 now. So, uh, I mean, I look at Crosby and Malkin. I mean, that's a, a wild comparable, I know, but you know, Pittsburgh, the, the points that those guys have generated over the past, you know, 10, 12, however many years now, majorly except for power play, they've been generating away from each other, which is, you know, increase in scoring opportunities for the two guys that are playing with them separately. Um, so, yes, you could say, well, that's why they're splitting uh, Landis Cog and keeping those two guys together. But the reason why I would have, taking Ranton away from McKinnon is because I would prefer uh, Landis Cog to stay with McKinnon simply based on the fact that how many times have those two guys been split up since McKinnon even came into the league? Right, right. I mean, if, if you go back to 2014, and I could be wrong, but uh, I believe at least for the playoffs and, and likely longer, I'm sure that uh, the line was uh, McKinnon, Stasny, and Landis Cog, and that was McKinnon's uh, rookie season. So, I mean, outside of, I mean, I know Patrick Law wasn't a, a major fan in keeping lines together for that long, especially as his tenure went on uh, behind the bench. But, uh, you know, those two guys have, have played a lot together over McKinnon's career. And for that reason, I would like to have kept uh, them together. And not only that, I think that Rantanen, uh especially, you know, I do, do believe in him. I, I do believe that... Uh, you know, it's not some people might say McKinnon's creating a lot of the offense for him, but obviously Miko can create a lot of offense for himself. And I think if he was on the line by himself, he'd still, I mean, probably not able to create quite as much as when the trio was together. But I still think he'd create a fair bit, especially once a little bit of chemistry was developed. Yeah, those are good good points. Uh, I feel like, though, that uh, McKinnon and Brandon do have a little bit more of a connection than uh, Landy does with anybody of those, of those two. I, I, I'm not so critical of, of uh, moving Landy off that line uh, and keeping Knack and Rance together. I understand, I get your point. I, I, I still think, though, that those two have a little bit more of a bond than, uh, than right. anyone on the team. Uh, although, although, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just, just my my thing is, uh, I mean, obviously the the goal of of splitting the boys up is to create a more balanced attack down the line. But if you're still keeping the top two producers on the line together, is that like are they still going to produce similarly as they were with Landis Cog, even if it is a little bit less? But is Landis Cog going to make up for it on the other line as much as say Ranton would? You know what I mean? Yeah, I. I know, I, I get it. I I think I think this might work out for at least one game though. I, I think that uh I think that the message was loudly received today at, at practice that guys are a little uh little sh- little shocked by it. Um everybody's gotten yeah. the message that um you're on notice right now and the coach means business and uh you know, everybody's gotten a little bit of a shock to the system today and I think that's good for a team to uh to go through sometimes um yeah so you know while i don't think nieto is going to be you know any dynamo offensively uh i think he's going to do a lot some of the similar things that landy does keep pucks down low he's pretty good cycler with the puck he's pretty he can skate too let's give him credit he he can skate yeah he can skate he is a good skater um he's got that speed down the wing landy He's not slow, but he's not the fastest guy in the league, right? Right. That's kind of what we, you know, think. He's he's a big guy right. who skates well, but not blazing speed. So I, I think for a game or two, this could work. I think he's uh, good at digging pucks out of the corner and kind of, you know, if he can just get it to Mac in any kind of scoring position at all, I think that's obviously good. I don't know if, you know, but, you know, the real, I mean, the thing that is going to, you know, up everybody's point total, Max, Rance, Landy's, is to get that power play going. I mean, that's where, you know, a yeah. third of their points come from is on the power play, you know, statistically. 
and uh, it hasn't been there lately. Um, we're going to get into that in the next segment, maybe. But um, I think that, you know, a game or two with Nieto up there, I think it'll be interesting to see. And I think uh, I, I got to be, you know, I got to be honest. I'm a little, I'm a little surprised. I mean, a lot of people ask me why isn't Comfer up there on that top line. I, I mean, good question. I think that. I think it, I think they want Comfort's offensive ability a little more on the second line than the first, if that makes any sense. Like I still think they want to they want to balance that second line out better with more some kind of consistent unit that that, that, that and I just never felt like it was there with with uh, Kerf, Jost, and Kerf. I mean. Conference been great. I think Conference been their best player of late. So wherever he plays, I'm fine with really. But uh, yeah. you know the Joe's thing, uh, uh, he's down to the fourth now. We'll get into him too in this podcast. But uh, I think for a game or two, this could this could work uh, well. I think Bednar, we could be calling him a genius uh, Saturday night after this game. Uh, I still think the Avs have some serious issues with their with their game. Depth-wise, and uh, even on the D, you know, we'll talk about that. But uh, you know, Chicago's playing well. Four out of five, they've won. They're, <laughs> they came in yeah, here last week, won a two-to-one game. They, yeah, everybody says they got dominated puck possession-wise. Eh, a little bit, yeah, but not not as much yeah. as people think. It was shot for 36-28. Chicago had some really dangerous chances. Could have had more goals than they also. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And the thing is, it doesn't really. As long as Chicago's got those guys there that were for that team for years, they're always going to be. Those guys are winners, whether they're winning or not. They don't want. They're not rolling over, whether they're in first or last. Like you know, and I mean, they know going into Colorado or Colorado coming in, if games are important and stuff like that. I mean, they're only going to up their game just because. That's a good observation, and I, I was. I was at the Chicago game uh, last week, but as a uh, actually a ticket buyer, I didn't buy the ticket, but my wife got free tickets right from her job. So we got they were like seventh row behind the penalty box, and it was the great seats and I had a great time. Yeah, with my, definitely. My neighbor, but I so I watched certain guys closer than you can anywhere else up in the press box. You don't notice stuff, but uh, I'll tell you what, Jonathan Taze may not be quite the same player statistically. But I'll tell you what, he still commands a lot of fear and a lot of respect on the ice. You can tell from everybody who's around him that he's they they're still really really like very mindful of him and very respectful. And uh, I'll tell you what, everybody in the league who plays against him still has a massive amount of not only respect but a little fear of Jonathan Taze. Yeah. You can see that all the time, yeah. especially on faceoffs and stuff. He still dominates the dots. So. Uh, well, uh, all right, let's, let's take a break here on this first segment, uh, come back on the other side, uh, pay some bills here, uh, talk a little bit more about that, that power play, Tyson Jost, more of the line changes, uh, with Paul O'Leary, my guest, Newfoundland's finest here on the BSN Avalanche podcast, uh, we will be right back after this break to talk more hockey, and, uh, yes, back in a moment. Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by InWeGo, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can, including Avalanche games, for only $39 per month. There's no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. You can get tickets to Avalanche home games with your InWeGo subscription for only $39 a month. And it's not just Avs games. It's Rockies, Rapids, Nuggets, Buffs, Concerts, Beer Tastings, food fests, comedy shows, concerts, and anything else that you can imagine. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it just like we all did at BSN Denver. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the BSN Avalanche podcast on a frigid Friday here in Denver, Colorado. Single digits expected tonight. Along with 
my fridge itself, I bring you Newfoundland, Canada's frigid Paul O'Leary. Paul is saying it's the coldest night of the year in Newfoundland tonight. Uh, that's some cold, cold ass weather, man. I bet. So, uh, honestly, tell me more about what you guys uh, do to keep warm in Canada. I mean, I know you got heat, you got houses and stuff, but any any tricks for the trade here to uh, help out us Denverites who don't deal with that this quite a, a bitter cold uh, as you do. <laughs> uh, layers, uh, right? Layers. It's actually not that bad here. I mean, you know, this this week has been cold, but uh, in Newfoundland, the, the weather's a little bit inconsistent. So I think like Sunday past, we had like six degree day, which wasn't bad, obviously. Uh, but it's just cooled off since then. So at a college fair, maybe 10 to 15 centimeters of snow tomorrow afternoon. But you just got to be tough. That's the only secret, I guess. That's right. Canadian tough. That's right. Uh, tell us again, Paul, why you got into an avalanche. How did a guy from Newfoundland, Canada, uh, fall in love with a Colorado avalanche? Not the Nordiques, mind you, which would be more understandable, but the Colorado avalanche. Uh, to be honest, uh, again, as I was saying earlier, like uh, I was starting to get into uh, to hockey around grade two or three, just as the average were coming on the scene. And I guess because he played with uh, Montreal, Patrick Law was a big name around here. Joe Sack was a big name. And, uh, I mean, those guys, I guess, uh, drew me to the avalanche. And then once I started watching, uh, I just got hooked on it. And, you know, they did. They, they won the cup, obviously, in the first season. Then uh, the rivalry with Detroit, I mean, how could that not interest you, especially as, uh, you know, a kid in grade two, three, <laughs> grade four. Uh, and then, you know, I just stuck with it year after year. I mean, obviously, those times it wasn't hard to stick with it because uh, they were doing so well. But as time went on, uh, the glory years did fade a little bit. But uh, I stuck with it. And, you know, I'm sitting in a room here now, and uh, I got Avalanche jerseys, pictures, posters all around. And I'll be I'll be an Avs fan uh, forever. And I think we told the story in the last one of our podcasts. But, uh, hey, because you're a person, close personal friend of the big guy here uh make it, it it makes sense to make friends with adrian data right because uh when the, yeah that's, when that's when the avalanche had their outdoor game here when the avalanche had their outdoor game against detroit a certain writer hooked you up with where the avalanche uh, alumni would be staying uh right as a hotel tell us what happened from there yeah man uh, it was uh unbelievable actually um Pretty much, it was it was 12 o'clock, uh, I can still remember, like 12 o'clock a.m. Newfoundland time. Uh, myself and my dad were getting ready to leave for the airport in a couple of hours to fly down. And you just sent me a message, and you were just uh, just like uh, you heard from a source <laughs> that uh, all the uh, alumni players for both teams were going to be at a, a certain hotel on uh, on the Thursday night. And uh, you you were pretty confident in this, and uh, I was pretty confident in you. So, in fact, as, as soon as we got to uh, Denver, as soon as we got to the hotel, the first thing we did was call and made reservations in that hotel restaurant for that night. So that way we'd be able to scope out the whole scene. And uh, sure enough, you came through, and I don't even think we had our appetizers. And I looked out towards the bar, and I seen uh, Ray Bork, Joe Sackick, Adam Foote. Uh, it, was, it was unbelievable. And I know you got the pictures to prove it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got the pictures to prove it. Well, yeah. uh, it I'm glad. And I, I was able to meet Forsberg as well. So. Yep. Uh, well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I came for you, through for you there. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. Not writers don't always know that, but I usually know it. Uh, and it, you know, most people I'm going to ask about a hotel, I'm going to have to say, well, you know, it's really not my thing to give out. I'm not supposed to. But for people I trust. Like Paul O'Leary from Newfoundland, who I'd met before in person. Uh, yeah, I slipped that info to you, and uh, you got the you got the autographs and the pictures that you know. I wish everybody could have had who loves the Avs, but uh, you know, if I'd done that, I probably would have been, you know, fired again or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it, but that's the best part. The best part is for me is you didn't have to do that. I mean, uh, oh, I, I had asked nice some guy. questions. It was probably like a month or more, more before, and then you just you know, essentially randomly messaged me that night, like, you know, uh, I'll never repay you for that one. Oh, that's that's a, that's you've already made your payment here by coming on the podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, 
And I know that you knew Ray Bork a little bit from before, or he recognizes you every time he sees you, right? You met Ray Bork another time, or am I getting that wrong? Yeah, I uh, Ray Bork, uh, he is, I cannot say enough good things about Ray Bork. I've met Ray, I, I first met him in, in 2001, and uh, he, he was actually here for a, an alumni tour. I spent some time with him. Uh, I was just rhyming off historical stuff, and he seemed to enjoy that. And the next thing you know, he uh, he called me a couple of days later and had me play with the Bruins alumni team in my hometown rink against uh, a hometown senior team. Uh, so I played with Bork, uh, Rick Middleton, Terry O'Reilly, uh, Kenny Lindsman, just, you know, played a game with those guys. So that was pretty amazing. And uh, that night when uh, you hooked me up in, in Colorado, which was five years later, I went to him first and uh, I kind of just looked at him and he looked at me and I said, uh, hey, Ray, do you remember me? And he said, yeah. He said, what are you doing here? He said, and uh, he said, you're the kid from Newfoundland. And he introduced me to Joe Sackick uh, immediately. It was amazing. In fact, he uh, the picture I had with Peter Forsberg, Ray Bork actually took that picture. Yeah, and actually, uh, I, I went to Boston, uh, myself and my dad, because I'm also a big Patriots fan. So myself and dad went to Boston uh, back in October to see Tom Brady. And we went to uh, we went to Ray's restaurant, Tresca. That's a plug for Ray. Hopefully he'll appreciate that. And uh, he was uh, he was actually there that night, and he was going around to the tables. And uh, when he saw me, he came over and he sat down by me, put his arm around me, uh, talking to us for about fifteen or twenty minutes. <laughs> awesome man, awesome. Yeah, Ray Bork's restaurant Tresca in Boston is fantastic food and great yeah, atmosphere. It's a great restaurant, and uh, there's a good chance you might see Ray kicking around yes, there. Yes, a like good say, chance you're going to see Ray Bork himself. Uh, he is. God, I mean, I I could go on for five podcasts. How awesome it was to cover Ray Bork as a kid who grew up in New England yeah. myself. Uh, okay, well, let's get back to the current Avalanche. Uh, not as star-studded, but Paul, you know, they're still getting there. We're getting there. I mean, they're in, they're still in good shape. You know, they've been helped out by the fact that Nashville's lost four in a row. Winnipeg's been kind of yeah, pretty. Good, but up and down a little bit lately. They lost to Calgary at 4-1 on home ice last night. Um, you know, Dallas CEO Jim Lights came out today and blasted Jamie's oh, fan yeah. and Tyler Sagan, calling him horse shit. What? I guess they were supposed to bleep that maybe, but yeah, maybe Jesse will bleep that. But yeah, he <laughs> called, him, called him the horse bleep name in the uh, in print and everywhere else today. So the Avalanche are still hanging in there as far as playoff positioning goes. Uh, yeah, and that Dallas guy, uh, he, he basically told, I think it was with The Athletic, uh, he basically no, two told... Other paper, one other paper, paper, Dallas Morning News as well, yep. That, that yeah, and he basically told to start players. writing about it. Yeah. Yes, he, told, he called a couple news outlets in Dallas together and said, go ahead and write this. Obviously, it was a calculated ploy by Jim Lights to light a fire under those guys. Um, but wow, that was different. The, that is not usually the hockey way. Uh, I'm not sure Mr. Lights had a cocktail or two uh, before he did that. But uh, <laughs> uh, so the Avalanche are still in third place, and it, you know some space between them and the others. But uh, you know they've kicked away a few winnable points recently. I mean that loss to the Islanders at home, the loss to the Blackhawks at home. You know, then you go into Arizona, you come all the way back from 4-1 down, and you kick the game away with three minutes to go. Should have had a point there, at least. Uh, been a frustrating time, but yet they're still okay position. Paul, though, I am going to I am gonna push the panic button a little bit, though, if they lose the game uh, tomorrow night against the Blackhawks. I mean, they've got to beat this team on home ice. They can't let this Blackhawks come in again with their bandwagon fans and steal another two points endeavor. I, I feel like this is a line in the sand right now with the Avalanche. They've got to win this game. I feel like it's a playoff game tomorrow, just in my own personal viewing of this current edition of the team. If they lose this game, to me it says that they've got some real serious problems. What's your take? Uh, I, I don't want to be passive-aggressive here because I do agree. Based on how things have been going as of late, tomorrow is uh, as close as a must-win game as you can probably get for December hockey. One thing that I will say, and uh, this could frustrate some fans, but 
uh, as frustrated as I, as I do get at times, I just look back to the fact that we're not uh, two full calendar years replaced from finishing last in the National Hockey League. So we're not exactly probably where we might get ahead of ourselves thinking we are quite yet. I, I saw last, I think it was last Saturday, even Elliot Friedman uh, was talking about how, you know, the Az potentially looking to pick up some guys to go for a run. Well, I think, the, yeah, I think he said, will they or not? The question is whether they will or not. Uh, but, right. Yeah, but, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way I look at that is uh, here in this uh, Toronto crazed country that we're living in, anytime that the Avs can get a chance to be talked about on national television on a Saturday night, there's got to be a little something there. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that Joe Sackick has that approach. Not not yet. Too soon. Uh, I can tell you for a fact he does not. Uh, it's too soon for any kind of major deal. He's made a major deal last November, don't forget, with Matt Duchesne. Uh, and they've still got all the still unopened presents from that trade. Just open still. The biggest being Ottawa's first-round pick for next year. Right now, it's starting to look like we can start talking about Jack Hughes a little bit again with uh, with the way Ottawa's starting to play. Uh, so, uh, now look, could the Avalanche make a trade? Of course they will, and they usually do. They always do something. Um, but I don't see what they're going to be able to do. I mean, the only scenario I can see of anything major happening is maybe a Tyson Berry trade. We've had him on the block for about three years now. So, you know, he's still probably the most expendable guy when you look at the, you know, the future of this team that they've got that could realistically get a, a good forward, which is probably what they need up front. They need a top six right wing uh, for sure. I mean, right? Yeah. Unless you want to count yeah. JT Confer as a second line right winger now, and and that's fine, you can do that. But all right, then they need, then they need a left winger. I mean, they need a top six forward, and that's they need line. a top six forward anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but the problem is, you know, any team that's any good isn't going to give up a, a top six forward. So, but a team that's bad, they're going to want the farm. You know, they're going to want to make a splash, a la Joe Sackick did. So that makes it harder to make uh, those trades too, right? Yeah, I mean, we're not there yet. That that's a trade, you know. That that time will come, but I don't think we're there yet. Where Joe Sack is going to say, "Well, let's move this draft pick or you know this prospect uh, to bring in this and go for it." it it'll come, but not yet. Unless, like you said, Barry is, uh, you know, unless Barry is, is going to be the guy, that, that would be different because, you know, you're hoping that we got the uh, the guys there on D to, to replace them in the next year or so anyway, right? Yeah, I think it's, you know, 99% that Tyson Barry is going to be traded within the next 12 months. That's just my take. Uh, yeah. Not saying it's going to happen uh, this season, but uh, this summer, I especially think that the odds go up exponentially with the addition of Kale McCarr uh, to the lineup and I think he's going to play right away I think he's going to play I mean he's had two years of college he's played very well with UMass I know things have calmed down a little bit at UMass after that blazing start but he's still played very well and uh, he's, he's going to come in I think pretty ready to play you know he's got a lot uh, of confidence back so Connor Timmons is back skating again and uh, practicing, and uh, from what I hear, he could get that red jersey taken off of him starting next month and be an actual player, most likely for the Colorado Eagles, uh, you know, next month. So good news there. Hopefully that continues. He, uh, he seems like he's shaking the concussion symptoms. I mean, he's out there every day practicing. So, I mean, it has they have to be subsided, right? I think the major test yeah, that I mean, he still doesn't know yet is can he take a huge hit and and skate on. I mean, I don't think he's right. really had that happen to him yet, and that's that's no. a big thing. We don't know. A one big hit could no. could could shake everything loose again in a bad way. So, right. I don't. I'm not a doctor. I don't want to go any more than that into it. Let's we'll just hope for the best. Uh, 
But, uh, yeah, you know, this team is on a good path. It's got everything you want for the future, draft picks and stuff. But yet, you know, there's a feeling of frustration right now with some of the fan base saying, hey, let's try to win something a little bit more right now. You know, let's let's make a deal. Let's shake things up more and, and bring in something to win this year maybe. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that necessarily? Should the Avalanche deal a Barry this year to try and win something more this year? You know what I'm saying? I do. Uh, it, it all depends on what offer you have there. Um, You've you got to position yourself. Uh, I mean, I'd be disappointed, obviously, if the Avs don't make the playoffs this year. It's all about building. I, I look back at, uh, at Joe Sackick. Uh, when Joe came into the league, how long, I mean, in Quebec those years, that his probably first, I don't know, four or five years, he never played a playoff game. And even, uh, you know, probably the year before, I guess they, they moved to Denver. I believe they may have won the division, were one of the top teams. I think they got bounced in the first round. I mean, these are the, these are the growing pains that are going to get you there. Last year, I mean, that, that playoff series at Nashville, I mean, that was fantastic. Um, I mean, you're going in against a, a top Stanley Cup contender. I mean, the Avs gave them, with injuries and what we had, gave them everything they can handle, right? And, and I think that really, that, that drove the, the boys uh, in the, the, the better part of the early season. Uh, and they were playing with that confidence, that little bit of swagger that they developed from that series. I think they got away from that a little bit, lots of it over the past few weeks. But I do believe it'll come back. But uh, as I was saying originally, it's a process. You just don't shoot, or typically you just don't shoot uh, to the Stanley Cup finals or as a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, if I'm going to trade Tyson Berry, I'm going to get you know a little bit of a younger, valuable forward back. Uh, I'm not going to give up anything else that's going to affect where we're going in the future. I mean, you look at McKinnon and Ranton, and obviously the two guys that you're building around. Uh, you know, your championship round, what are these guys, 20, 21, 23 years 20, old? 20, 21 to 23, yeah, 22. Yeah, I can never. I mean, you got a couple of years yet before you really got to, uh, you know, worry about these guys even fully hitting their prime and looking. So you've you got to be focused on that window, right? Like right now, we're not in, even though, yeah, we're, you know, a, a cost playoff team, we might be. Six, seven, eight in the conference. We're, we're not even into our best players' windows that you're trying to build around. And I'm sure Joe Sackick, like I said, he lived it himself. He also, as a player, that is, as a general manager, he also, you know, in 2014, we thought we were there. And we thought that that was the opening of the window. And clearly, whether it was decisions that were made, the players that were supposed to be the core, that didn't work. And I think Joe learned from that. And, uh, you know, he, he's got a, a pretty good vision of where he wants his team to go and how he's going to get there. And, and I think that Duchesne trade, I mean, he was just getting ripped by everybody because he didn't didn't make the trade and he had the chances to make the trade. And then look at the trade he ended up making in the end. I mean, yeah, could you really have done any better? I mean, the Carlson trade wasn't that good. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh it remains just a hell of a trade now. We, we don't know who they're going to get yet with that first-round pick from Ottawa. Uh, we still haven't seen Shane Bowers play in the NHL, but he's he's their property from that trade. Uh, Cam and Ev. World Juniors, let's make sure you watch that. He, uh, he had an assist, I think it was, last night. So Oh, yeah, okay. I missed that game. I did not see it. Uh, I was watching Avs yeah, all night, and I missed, uh, missed it, among other things I was doing. Um but uh, no, I mean Bauer sounds like a decent prospect. Uh, you know, uh, I mean Gerard, he's had some up, he's he's had some you know growing pains a little bit last few games. I think I'd love to see him you know shoot the puck more, get a bit more of a a, a better slap shot if he could, and stop stop being a little too passive on the PP with yeah. the with the assists and just fire the puck. You know, they're better. They're, a little less confident right now, for sure. Yeah. And that can be said for most of the defensive, yeah. actually. And, and touch on the power play before we go to our next break. Uh, you know, the power play has been terrible. And it's to me, it's just holding on to the puck too long. I mean, Max holding on to the puck too long. Rance is 
Rance isn't even getting the puck that much down on his his side because they're not getting set up as much. When they do get set up, it seems like they're rushing the, po- the puck at the point, throwing it down to Mac, who feels a little need to di- dipsy-doodle. Uh, and then, you know, guys are getting the shots blocked. Barry gets a lot of shots blocked for whatever reason. And he probably telegraphs the shot a little too much. But, it, you know, it's easy to block shots when you're, st- you're set up as a four-man defensive unit, right? When you're set yeah. up and the team isn't moving the puck around as much, it's a lot easier to block shots. Uh, exactly. Except against a team, you know, a team that's moving the puck fast all the time and doing stuff, you can't block as many shots. So, to me, it's all about speed, put pucks on net, quick, 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 uh, and 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 just stop, stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Like I wrote in a headline last week, they're still trying to do it. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, and uh, I think you touched on, on pretty much everything. But uh, also, one thing, I, I guess, and it comes with, with the being the skilled players, but like when Colorado is setting up on the power play right now, like, the way I like to see a power play, especially when you got, say, you got Mac on your one uh, half board, basically, and, and Rance on the other, and then Barry or Gerard, whoever on the point, if, if you're going to take away the shot-blocking ability of that PK or the sticks in the lane, you need – before that puck comes to each particular player, that team needs to be threatened. So if, you know, if McKinnon's firing that puck across to Rantanen, they need to know that Rantanen is ready to fire. Or if it goes to Barry or it goes to McKinnon, like, they need to know that the boys are ready to go. But the ads are just, like you said, it's just too passive. So when, even if it is a quick pass over to Rantanen, I, I feel like even I know right now, as soon as he gets the puck, like he's not in a shooting position all the time. He's he's just it's almost like he's just ready to play pitch and catch, right? And and the defending teams know that, and it takes away such a you know with the dynamic players the Avs have there. But if if teams know that the Avs are going to pitch and catch three four times and then try to look for a shot, it, it's just too predictable, too easy to defend. And and another thing, I mean it's a technical thing, but it's something I noticed lately. You know Mac when he. He's not getting one timers that have any kind of open net to shoot at, and why and why that is is because the point man is taking too long to get the puck over to him. You know, right. Rance goes back to the point real quick. Let's say then Barry goes real quick to Mac. Everybody's got to slide over, and you've got that little sliver of the open net to shoot at. And Mac's got a good shot, but right now they're taking too long. Barry's taking too long. To get the puck over to Mac, who, when he gets it, he's not seeing that open net to shoot at a one-timer. So he's corralling the puck like a lacrosse player and taking too much time with it. And then he doesn't know where to shoot it or go with it, so he gives it back to to Barry, and that's when everything seems to fail, you know. Yeah, it's just too too predictable and just lacks aggressive. And, and it's not simplified enough to the point where – like you said it best, I think with uh, with Barry just getting shots through. I mean, he's uh, he's a good skating defenseman. He should be able to get that puck, and and it doesn't have to be a slap shot or a one timer. If he could just do a, a few little fakes and then throw a little wrist shot through. I mean, we know what uh, what Landon's like in front of that net. You you know, get the deflections, get the rebounds. You know, garbage goals. That that's how you get out of a slump. Garbage goals. I know, I know. Rebound goals on PPs. That's exactly. that's where right. that's where the easy goals come from, and how you build yeah. things, and, and so much develops from there. All right, Paul. Let's uh, let's take our second intermission break here. Uh, come back for the third period. Let's call it. Uh, touch touch for a few more minutes uh, on and maybe some other things. Quick hits about the Avs. Uh, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast. Stick with us we'll be right back hey bsn fans your favorite colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite colorado beer and we're giving them away for free but in true bsn fashion we're not letting you go to some major chain for it we want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real colorado business that's why we've created the bar page where any bsn subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free coors banquet at any bar on that list all you have to do is show the bartender the vip image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free coors banquet beer at any of those bars there are over 20 bars there you're sure to find one close to you it's bsnbars.com find a bar and get a free coors banquet on the house thanks for listening to the bsn denver 
Podcast Network. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. And welcome back to the BSN Avalanche podcast brought to you on a frigid Friday in Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Adrian Dater. My special guest today is Paul O'Leary, an Avalanche superfan from Newfoundland, Canada pharmacist there who just happens to know a lot more about hockey than I do. So Paul is on uh, on the pod to talk about the abs and what's been going wrong lately. But we're still both uh, looking at the big picture here and uh, feeling pretty good about things. Uh, Paul, I want to touch on a – I'll just go around the horn for a few things here. What do you think Tyson Berry's uh, – Tyson Berry, Tyson Jones is struggling – with right now what what do you think is keeping him from getting to this next level right now because he's got no goals in 14 games and now he's back on the fourth line what do you think is wrong with Tyson Jost right now um, like we've said with a few guys it's obviously confidence is obvious but it, it amazes me sometimes but I guess you know if you're in the NHL you're you're really over analyzing things but I just say simplify it you know he's got to find his way to the you know, when the other guys on his line has the puck, just get in front of that goalie. You know, a puck that goes in off your rear end could change his season just like that. And it's all it takes. Just keep working hard, playing hard, skating hard, but get to the uh, get to those dirty areas, get in front of it. It's cliche, but it works. I, I always look at Sidney Crosby. I still think Sidney Crosby is the best player in the world. So many of his goals are from the top of the paint. He's He's always there. And, you know, it just shows what kind of player he is, but it also shows that he's smart enough to realize that, you know, that's where you got to go when, you, when you're needing goals. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Tyson Jost goes to that, but I feel like it's too much of a drive-by thing where he's just, you know, exactly. yep. skating by and hoping for a rebound on the stick, but it, when it's not there, he, you know, he skates past it. Uh, yep. You know, to be able to be stationary in front of the net and, and get those dirty goals, and yet, you know, I don't know if, you know, it may be a thing worth about size. I mean, he's not a big, big guy. Uh, but neither is Crosby, so. No, exactly. You know, it's, mean, it is. It's, this game is different than it used to be in terms of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I root for the kid because he's such a nice kid and, uh, you know, good good family and good, good everything, but, uh you know, it's just it's just not there, and you're like 14 games without a goal. You know, you're like in fourth line. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a lot. It's got to be a lot of lot of internal pressure on that kid right now. And uh, I've just seen too many situations where a guy gets too much uh, pressure too soon, and uh, it can be a tough thing to get out of. So I hope uh, I hope he gets out of it because. Uh, you know, boy, that'll be a setback for the Oz if he, you know, turns into, you know, you know, the next, uh, I mean, I'll go way back here and, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Vaslav Nedaros or something, you know, some guy who <laughs> they drafted in the first round who he never heard from again after a couple of years. So, um, you know, I, I think he's going to get his, uh, I think he's going to get out of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, pressure's on and that's what, you know that's the life of pro athlete, right? It's uh, yeah. Uh, okay, Semyon Varlov back in the net tomorrow against Chicago. Uh, apparently he had some little injury. 
Um, don't know for sure. I wasn't around the team the last few days. Usually I like to know exactly what the injury is, so I don't know for sure. I know he was looking happy in the locker room today. He's chatting a lot with Vladislav Kamenev, who uh, I think just had his so- shoulder surgery. And, uh, you know, they seem to be good friends, those two. Uh, Kamenev, unfortunately, cannot stay healthy. Uh, what are your thoughts on Varley, though? And the goaltending situation in general. I mean, uh, you know, who, who, do you feel do you feel like Varley's losing it, or do you feel like uh, you know he just hopefully he's got a lot left in the tank, and we're going to see it tomorrow night? Uh, I'm I'm hopeful that there's a lot left in the tank, and we're going to see it tomorrow night. Uh, I can't say I'm certain, but uh, I uh, I've always pulled for Varley, and just because over the past five years he's he's taken some heat over time but man has he won a lot of games that the abs shouldn't have won um and i do believe that he he can get back to it and the thing about barley is once he hits his groove he can stay in it for a while and, and that could be big for the abs uh and that's an interesting there doesn't seem to be much discussion on uh on the barley contract situation but Depending on how things go, obviously Grubauer was locked up to the three-year deal, but depending on how things play out for the rest of the season, it should create an interesting scenario there. As for Grubauer, uh, he's looked good as of late, but he's been killed by the bad goal in what, uh, the last three games, essentially, which that concerns in, in a way. I mean, you make a lot of saves, but that game-winning goal late in the third period, that's the softy, is, is a backbreaker. Yeah, I mean... You can look at it two ways. It was a, it was a lucky goal by Vegas last night in the third. It went through about five bodies, uh, screens, you know. I mean, I don't worry about that one. I do worry about the goal he let in against the Blackhawks in that third period last week, that yep. little one that squeaked between his pads on a nothing shot from the cor- from the wing. Um, so, yeah, that, that worries me. And the Arizona one was iffy. That was, uh, you know, a seeing eye shot from the blue line, literally, like, right on the blue line. Well, that was, yeah, that was Francis who was in that one. Are you thinking about the game winner there? Oh, yeah, sorry, you're right. You are right with that, yeah. Yeah, no, but, uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't great in that Arizona game either. Uh, not at all. I mean, he got yanked for, for a rookie who had never played before. So, not a yeah. rookie. He's technically not a rookie, Francis. He's too old. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, he, Grubauer has yet to kind of wow us, except for that game in Carolina where he was truly magnificent. Um, I can't think of a game where Grubauer, you're like Grubauer, wow. I mean, he's made some really nice saves, but yeah. he has yet to really put forth a, a really not just one game thing, but you know, a, a string of games together. Um, Right, and that's 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 worrisome. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I th- I wonder if he's a little too smart for his own good. Sometimes I think he's a really smart guy, uh, very intellectual kind of guy in a way. Uh, I wonder if he thinks a little too much at times. Who knows? Uh, I'll have to look at him more. But uh, you know, Varley gets another shot tomorrow night. He comes back from from his latest whatever. He's been a Blackhawks killer for years, so. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic about tomorrow night. That said, uh, I've seen too many weird things with this team to ever feel that way, real for sure. Uh, what do you think about? Um, let's see. What do you think about Eric Johnson right now? Some couple of guys, me and a couple of other guys, were talking in practice today. Like we haven't really noticed Eric Johnson that much this year. Uh, you know. It doesn't seem like he's having the kind of dynamic year he had last year before his injuries. Um, what are your thoughts on Eric Johnson right now? Uh, I agree 100%. He's he's not the same Eric Johnson uh, before he went down last year. Eric Johnson's playing his best game of hockey when he's aggressive on both ends of the rink. He's, he's making those pinches on the wall in the offensive zone. He's carrying the puck up the ice. He, he's trailing the rush. Like you said, you don't notice him that much, which is, is very strange because his hockey is when he's engaged and he's aggressive basically in all areas of the ice. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, You know, I've heard a couple whispers that uh, maybe he's a little unhappy that he doesn't get enough. Uh, it doesn't get any power play time, actually. Um, 
that maybe he's uh, he's upset by that. Um, but if that's the case, you know, he's got to deal with it and play good defense and be good there. So I don't think exactly. he's been bad, but I don't think he's been the same dynamic player. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, exactly what's going on. He seems fine health-wise. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to see the return to EJ of being, you know, the man. I mean, I, I know he's got more help. And maybe the, I don't know what's going on. I mean, maybe EJ doesn't feel like the man anymore, so that affects his his way he plays. I don't know. I mean, maybe he likes yeah. to be that guy who's got like you know the only guy that can depend on. He plays thirty minutes. You know, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll sit down though with Eric soon and ask him that because I know he'll give me the truth about things for the most part. Yeah, he he's got. Uh, it just seems like there's just something off because he's he's not. I mean, there was times last year. I mean, he was really really good and consistently really good. You know, um, but this year I'm I'm not saying he's been bad, but he just hasn't been what he could be. You know, just not the dynamic presence that he was. I mean, he's making six million no, a year. Exactly. He's he's their one of their highest paid guys. So. Yeah, and I mean he could bring a lot to the table. Like I said, at both ends of the rink, he he could be, you know, he could be uh, triggering some offense uh, from the uh, the bottom three lines just from being more aggressive when he's out there with those guys. All right, let's wrap up here. Uh, a couple things. You're you're a guy who watches the game so close. What do you think of Jared Bednar's overall coaching philosophy right now? Are, are you okay with Jared Bednar and what he does? I mean, it doesn't seem like I hear you bitching that much about Bednar, but but tell me what you think his latest, uh, what your latest thoughts on him are. Uh, I don't like to, uh, I, I honestly, I mean, I don't agree with everything he does. I don't think anybody agrees with everything any coach does. He, he's an, an old, he's an old school coach. Yeah, that's, that's the thing in, in terms of his philosophies of the game, uh, um, which Sometimes, especially with younger players, which is, you know, mostly the players he has with the Avs, it does take a little bit longer. And uh, I'm hoping that's uh, that's going to be the case with Tyson Jost uh, and some of the others as well. But, you know, I mean, he's learning as well. This is still early in his NHL career. Uh, so some of this stuff comes with it. Um, but overall, I mean, I've got to say I'm pretty pleased again. You know, sometimes I scratch my head some of the things uh, – you know, I, I I don't like to blame the coach for the too many men penalties, but uh, oftentimes they do get the but something's got to be tightened up there. Or whoever is responsible. That, that Chicago uh, game, that Chicago just, that Chicago game, they had one that was the fourth game in a row they'd had a too many men. So yeah, exactly. So that that that, and again, I, I'm not putting the blame of that on Bednar because the players obviously have to be more aware as well. But that that just sticks out to me, but. You know, getting the, the penalty kill and the power play, those are important things. And, and obviously the power play, for the most part, has been good. Penalty kill, not so much. Those are things, obviously, he's got assistant coaches, special team coaches that are part of that as well. But those are things that do need to be fine-tuned because they can be the difference between uh, wins and losses in, in some of these close games. And, and I do think that uh, he's doing a pretty good job, but he's learning as he goes too. But it's, it's hard to be too critical of him because, I mean, he's got uh, – a team in a playoff spot. It's an 82-game season. There's, there's going to be these stretches, and hopefully they're just, just few and far between. Yeah, hopefully they can just blow at the Blackhawks tomorrow and we can all rest a little uh, easier. Yeah. Uh, Paul O'Leary, uh, pharmacist from Newfoundland, my my personal friend, uh, Avalanche super fan. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I think that's I think we've covered everything we need to cover. Uh just uh, want to thank you again. What are, you, what are your plans for the rest of the night here? It's only uh, seven. Let's see, it's eight o'clock Eastern time right now. So that's nine thirty Newfoundland time. Oh, it's nine thirty. Yeah, so we're we're uh, we're three and a half hours uh, from oh, Colorado. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. So, oh yep. God, so it's well, nine thirty. So you're you're basically going to bed. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not yet. Uh, Funny enough, as much as I complain about it, I got the Leafs game on in the background, so I'll probably watch a little bit of that. I got Montreal, Florida on, so, uh, uh, but I'll turn to that one next. Okay. Well, Paul, hey, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Uh, give out your Twitter feed again so you can get a few more followers. I forgot. It's a hard one for me to remember for some reason. It's like Poe Leary, right? But P O'Leary19 for Joe Sackick, of course, at hotmail.com or uh, at 
I guess, yeah, just at T. O'Leary19. That was my email. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay to give out the email, too. We can take a few emails from friends. Yeah. <laughs> Poleary19. Poleary19 in honor of Joe Sackick. I love it. Uh, great, great Twitter handle. Uh, all right, Paul, man. Thanks for coming on the pod. Uh, I'll see you at some point soon. Uh, I am going to be in uh, Eastern Canada next month, so. Uh, uh, in Montreal, in Toronto. So uh, I don't know if you're going to any of those games, but if you are, uh, give the old big redhead here a shout. Uh, I'm not currently planning on it, but you never know. If I do, you know, I'll uh, I'll definitely be looking right, well, up. I'm uh, I'm gonna be there, and uh, uh, I appreciate the time. Uh, great, great, great observations, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Take care, Paul. Perfect. I appreciate you coming Thanks on the BSN Lines podcast.